0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. Today's another AMA episode, that is, Ask Me Anything. I love to answer your questions, and if you have a question you think is going to be of broad interest, send it in. I'll answer it live on the air. Send your questions to victor at victorjm.com. That's victor at victorjm.com. Alexandra from Toronto asks, I'm considering investing in the Toronto market that has an extremely low vacancy rate. Since the demand is so high and Toronto is a growing city, do you think this is a good idea? Well, Alexandra, this is a great question. It is true that vacancy in Toronto is extremely low. The city continues to add about 125,000 population each year, and there's only about 35,000 units of new construction added to the market on an annual basis. And clearly there's a gap between demand and supply for housing overall. If you break down the vacancy by property type, concealed with a little bit more granularity. For example, bachelor apartments have the highest vacancy at 1.6%. This data comes from the Canada Mortgage Housing Corporation. This is Canada's quasi-government-backed mortgage insurer, similar to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac in the US. A one-bedroom apartment has a 1.3% vacancy rate, two bedrooms are at 1.1% vacancy, and three bedrooms are at a stunning 0.9% vacancy rate. Rental rates in the past year went up about 4.9%. Now, the shortage of housing in Toronto isn't new. That's been happening for years. So the real question is, why is the vacancy rate so low? If the opportunity is so amazing, why do we have not more people flocking to invest in the Toronto rental market? It doesn't make sense that the vacancy remains so low for such a long time. Well, in my opinion, there are four factors that contribute to making rentals in Toronto market a mediocre investment. Number one, properties are very expensive to purchase. We've seen sale prices increase over the past several years, many times in the double digits. When the purchase price increases much faster than the rent, it's hard to make the numbers work. You won't see the market support an 18% increase in rents, whereas in 2016, market prices increased an average of 18% across the entire Toronto market. That's a huge shift. You end up tying up way too much equity in a property for the rent that you can collect. Number two, Toronto and the province of Ontario instituted rent controls, which limit the amount of annual rent increase a landlord can demand from tenants. They can set the new price with a new tenant, but for an existing tenant, you're limited to an inflation-adjusted index. Percentage doesn't actually keep pace with inflation in many cases. And While the government argues that the increased percentage is indexed to inflation, there are so many examples of expenses that have increased much faster than inflation. For example, we've seen electricity prices jump 10% in a single year we've seen property taxes increase faster than the rate of inflation. Remember, property taxes are indexed to the assessed value of a property. So when a property goes up by 18%, there's no way the property tax is only going up by 2%. Number three, constructing new dwellings in Toronto attracts a very high development fee to the city to pay for increased load on the infrastructure. Whether we're talking about water, sewer, electricity, roads, public transit, and so on. And when you've got to write a check to the city, for $84,000 to build a new single-family home, and you've got a choice to sell that home in the open market where you've got no cap on the sales price versus putting it into the rental market where your rent increases are capped, it's an easy choice. You're going to put that property into the sale market. Number four, the landlord-tenant laws in Ontario are heavily skewed in favor of the tenant. This makes the risk of financial loss to landlords much higher than in other areas. When your operating costs are high, Signing yourself up to a large investment with extremely low profit margins put you at significant financial risk as an investor. A lot of the new units that have entered the market have been the result of foreign investment in the condo market, where investors from Asia, notably China, often purchase condo units in cash as a place to safely park money. These folks are not professional investors in the North American sense. Their objectives are different than you and I. Now the province has created some financial incentives to try and encourage the building of new rental buildings. And the larger players who build high-rise towers and have access to very low-cost institutional money have started building new units. These are typically larger projects of several hundred units. In those cases, the developer typically doesn't hold on to the building for very long before selling it to a REIT that might be happy with low profit margins of 1% or 2%. For a smaller investor, those types of profit margins are extremely risky. And unless you're sitting on a massive cash position you can have a property turn upside down quickly. Toronto's a wonderful city. It's clean and it's safe by world standards. It's multicultural and there's an abundance of commercial and employment opportunities. But it's increasingly one of the most traffic-congested cities in North America. They haven't been able to build enough road infrastructure to keep up with the population growth. Some investors have bought into the market, accepted the fact that there's a very small cash flow and in some cases negative cash flow they've justified the investment by saying that they make it up in appreciation. And for some investors, it's worked out okay. But you don't control what the market will do in the future. For that reason, it's a risky strategy and one that I don't recommend. I personally favor markets where the rent-to-purchase ratio is much better. I want to thank you, Alexander, for an awesome question. Have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk again tomorrow.